Welcome to the Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. We've combined life experience with young adult drive and ambition. Are you just starting to college plan? Did you finish your education and wonder, now what? Join us in this lively discussion about the topics you need to know to create the next stage of your life's dreams, careers, finances, education, and more. Welcome to another great episode of Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. This is a show where we bring incredible resources information to our young adults who are navigating through career, going through college, making decisions on their life in today's ever-changing world. And Ed is with us today. We are missing our Capri and Alex. We send them all the best as Capri's getting, Capri's getting settled into college and Alex had to be somewhere else. So we get to have a nice discussion with our special guest, and I mean super special guest because this is is going to be a fun one. We have Ina Hull. She is the COO of Legacy Education Inc. I probably screwed that up, but she's going to correct me. But she has years and years of experience in education, career colleges, sits on the board of directors. She has her own company in investing as well. And she is a sought after keynote speaker in this world of education. And we have her with us today. So Ed, you're in for a treat. Put your seatbelt on and hang on. Ina, thank you so much for being with us. Well, Amy, thank you for inviting me to your show. This is a topic I love, you know, communicating and educating folks about the higher ed world. I've been in it for quite some time, um, also as a speaker, a trainer, and uh, a mother of two daughters who are who've gone through different pathways. So I completely understand the decisions these young people are making. Ooh, we're going to talk about that. First, if you could just give us a quick overview of your career. I know you have, you have an extensive career, but just walk us the path a little bit. So it sets up that stage for where we are today to have this discussion. Absolutely. So my career began in the California Community College System, and I worked there for about 19 years in various administrative roles along the way and learned that space felt a little challenge like I needed more challenge and I left that and I went into the student loan industry and joining Citibank student loans when the US Department of Education was allowing banks to lend to students as they were going and financing their education. When the markets changed in 2008 I was left with the opportunity because much like a lot of folks did during that period of time and I re-entered the higher education space but I left the community college in the public space and joined a private career group of schools out in Owensboro, Kentucky called Damar Colleges Group. Um, I happened to be out there in the Nashville area for four years when I was with Citibank. So I joined that group and began to learn the space of career education, which led me back home to Southern California where I have been in the career education space for the last 15 years. So it is something that's near and dear my heart and during that period of time, uh, I enjoyed the pathway of, you know, watching my own two daughters going through that decision-making process. I have a daughter right now who is a, a medical student at Drexel University. She graduated from UC Irvine. So I'm a proud parent of a, uh, of a daughter who's gone down that pathway. And then I have a, another daughter who took a more non-traditional path and, and went through an apprenticeship boot camp program for young adults who were opting not to go through the traditional pathway. So, and both have been very successful. So I understand it as a, a higher education administrator, as well as a parent um, coaching and guiding her, her daughter 
um, on which path works for them. And it really, I do understand what it means to make sure that your 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 young daughter or your young son is it, it chooses a path that they're going to be happy with and it's going to meet the needs and the goals that they have for their lives. So very happy to share what I know about the space and the various institutions that I've worked with along the way. What I love about what you shared is you pointed out the fact that as a parent, you've had two daughters that have gone into both spaces. So as we have this conversation, we're not saying, no, avoid the universities. Those are absolutely right for some students. But I think the narrative needs to start changing. What are you noticing right now that is changing in the narrative of what was always kind of just looked at for traditional education in the university systems versus the need for the career colleges right now? That is a great question. I've been watching this space for probably about the last five to seven years. And what I can tell you is that higher education is the last known market that has not experienced what I would consider a complete tossover, or I don't like to use the word disruption, but rattled the cages of how they, how the institutions produce education. And we saw a big shift happen and so since that point in time, uh, we have been monitoring what, what students have, what students have liked about the, the space of going, moving into an online environment quickly. And what families are beginning to discover is we have a lot of students whose parents still have not fully recovered from the Great Recession of 2008. Yes. So they're very price conscious. They are, they're losing some of their faith that the existing system is going to meet the needs of the market. And although we are seeing massive shifts, it isn't so much about the educational institutions competing with each other for a shrinking market, because we do know that the numbers are shrinking, but we are also seeing that private industry is now entering the education space because they are beginning to question whether or not the universities can move at the speed of light for which they need. And simply put, there is a lot of anxiety and angst. And so big companies are stepping in and now beginning to announce they no longer need a bachelor's degree for these key roles in their organizations. They are also setting up their own institutions within their companies. And there's a big shift happening right now. With that being said, uh, I just left a, a large conference last month in Orlando where there were all segments of higher education in there. The higher ed institutions know that and they are moving very, very quickly to either skill up and change their mode of operations in terms of how they deliver education, but it's still a big hurdle and the, the institutions that are not moving quickly enough are going to be left behind, unfortunately. Yep. I see it all the time too. It's, uh, you know, it's interesting that you talked about the changes that are happening in, I mean, you see big corporations now like Google and some other ones talking about wanting to shift and you Amazon looking at ways that they can break through and change the philosophy. Do you think that you said that at the conference that there were higher ed is looking at that. Do you think that they can move fast enough? and and make the change or are they still you think they're still tied to the old school old way of doing things so i think there are two classes going on inside of the higher education institution i think that the younger faculty who recognize that are willing to do so unfortunately you have 
instructors that have been there for several, several years and did not take to the whole online role. They had to move very, very quickly. And so their delivery and the way that they are used to educating students um, and the curriculum that they have built has is not moving fast. And there's two two reasons for that. One, I would say some of it is the faculty, but two, it's just the regulatory environment. If you are having to wait on the federal government, because any higher education institution that is offering federal financial aid to its students, they must be accredited, which is one um, regulatory body, and then they must receive federal approval from the Department of Ed. Both of those regulatory agencies just cannot move fast enough. If anything, we're seeing slower approvals. So by the time an institution has redesigned their curriculum, and they receive their approval sometimes 12 to 18 months later, it's already stale and outdated. Yeah. And private industry is saying, we don't have time to wait. We are we are losing market share by not moving quickly. And so the traditional institutions are struggling. With that being said, on the other side of that, being in the career side, the reason that we have been so successful in the career, tra- the career uh, training institution segment is most of our programs are less than two years. We have been in this type of quick delivery and educating students and getting them skilled up quickly so that they can work. We're regulated to the to the point where we must place our students. So we have a higher sense of urgency to meet that demand, whether it's in allied health and so forth. So I think the career schools and the trade schools have been much more prepared and are actually gaining more market share because of that. And the higher ed, edu- um, higher, you know, in- institutions, the four-year schools are beginning to look where at one point they were really criticizing our segment or going, wait a minute, they really do know what they're doing. We were the first group of schools to offer what we call modular-based education, where it was one course a month instead of doing a whole semester where you're taking multiple courses, one focus at a time. We've found that the outcomes for that have been very, very strong. And we're placing our students. And if you take a look at, aside from a few bad actors out there, the career colleges and the trade schools are have been able to shift very, very quickly. And they are shifting even more quickly right now to continue to capture market share because students are looking. They, It's all about speed. I'm just going to be honest with you. They're so used to getting access to data quickly. It's speed and who can deliver the fastest who can deliver it the most cost-effective way so the student can begin working as quickly as possible. So I wanted to follow up that one statement you said about bad apples. I think when I talk to parents about these career schools, um, that's the thing they're, they're, they're the most nervous about. So if you could offer a parent that's deciding if this is a direction that makes sense for their student, how can they determine if the school is working in the school's best interest is the school working in mm-hmm. the student's best interest? I know they have to yes. kind of do what's in their best interest because they're a business, but what are the questions that a parent and a student could ask to make sure they're getting, uh, they're putting their resources to work in the best way possible? That is a good one. Fantastic question. <laughs> I will tell you it's all about outcomes. Woo-hoo. Outcomes, outcomes, outcomes. So I say that it, the way that I advise students and families all the time because I do. I, I can tell you the quality metrics of a higher an institution that's in the career or trade school space. You know, they like to call us for profit institutions. Uh, we were once known as proprietary schools is what I would like to refer us to. 
but we do ironically it's a double-edged sword we we get criticized for being for-profit institutions but what families and the public do not realize is that there are regulatory requirements that we are profitable. There's a, a rule called a financial composite score. And if we do not meet those financial hurdles and show profitability, they will put us out of business. We will lose wow. our approvals. Yeah. So, you know, it's like I said, it's a double-edged sword. So the outcomes, I will tell you, it's all about outcomes. What is the de cohort default rate of that institution? My, that is the number one metric for me. I will tell you, happy students pay. If you have delivered what you said you were going to and they are working in the field for which they selected to join your institution, whether it's a cosmetologist, a nurse, uh, a truck driver, if you educated them and they are now working in the field, they will gladly pay that student loan and that student loan payment because happy students pay. They are more than well, willing to do that. I will also say programs that are licensed. You cannot change licensing exams across nursing, whether you're taking a nursing program at a community college, a career college, a UC or private, they all must pass that same NCLEX pass rate. So you need to check those pass rates and our students are doing their due diligence. And I will tell you at the end of the day, there were bad actors, but anybody who's left standing today are the best of the best because we continue to get hit with more and more regulatory rules to test us, we continue to thrive in the environment, and the market is still coming to us. And they are coming to us because we are placing our students. And when I say placing, that means that they are working. So you can take care of, uh, take out all of the media noise. The market is going to drive the results. If we are not doing what the market needs, we won't be in business either. So the co consumer, which is the student and the parent, are continuing to come to us. Why? Because we are the largest producers of nurses, of cosmetologists, of HVAC mechanics, of plumbers. And these are actually, believe it or not, very, very well-paying jobs. So they know that we can do it quickly. There is no fluff. There's hands-on training that goes with it. And if we don't give the outcomes, we lose our accreditation and we lose the student and we lose market share. So we cannot afford to perform, we must perform, we have to perform, and our students are doing that. For for example, my my company, if you were to take a look at our cohort default rate, it is some of, we have a less than 3% cohort default rate. That is just unheard of. And the reason it is so low is our students, we're doing exactly what we said we were gonna do. We're educating them, we're training them, and then we're placing them into an extern site. And ultimately, believe it or not, the student, although they're our consumer, our customer is the employer because if our hospitals are not happy, if the organizations that we're placing these students are not happy, they're not going to hire them. So we listen very, very closely to our employer partners and the collaboration that goes with that. And that's how we will continue to succeed is in ensure, ensuring that our partners are happy with the products that we're producing, which is our student. I have, awesome. a, I, I have a question that's that's for you, Ina, but Ed, I would love your in in input on this one as well. And this is it's fun with with the powerhouses of you two coming together. So <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really enjoying this and we can go on for a while. I've noticed, Ina, and I and I know you have as well, that there are a lot of huge, very, very known brands and companies that are now saying, hey, you don't need to do either of those. We're going to train you right here in our company. We've created our own universities within this big, well-known company, and we're going to just do it here. How do you help 
a student navigate whether the career college is their best choice, whether going to the traditional universities and or, okay, you just jump into one of those companies and let them train you. And how are all of these spaces that they're all competing now for the same student? How confusing this is, is this for our students? And, and what do you both advise on that? Well, it's definitely happening. It's happening very a lot faster than folks realize. Uh, and I don't, I don't think that even in my own segment where we used to view each other as competitors in the same space. So if we were in this, both educating nurses and producing nurses, um, you know, we used to think that the other institution may be our competitor and we had to one up each other. Like we had to be the best in, in pass rates. Ultimately, uh, we are we're seeing some industry creep happening in there. What I say, they're creeping into the space. And what alarms me is when a large organization such as Kaiser Permanente or Baptist Health, um, some of these large hospitals that would take our nurses are now creating their own nursing schools. You have to ask yourself why. Um, and is it because they're not happy with the quality of student that we have? Do they want to teach them to their methodology and their culture? There's a lot of things going on there. So institutions who are not partnering strongly are going to get themselves in trouble. I have seen just in the last 24 months alone, over 60 major top 500 companies in all segments, not just nursing and allied health, we're seeing in banking and finance, Bank of America, Wells Fargo now no longer require a bachelor's degree for upper management positions. They're wow. training and teaching finance and finance economics to their own best hires. We're seeing it, you know, for even in the trucking industry, we're seeing big night trucking is now doing their own training internally. We're seeing it in the cosmetology area, although um, you, we have some large organizations. So there is a lot of movement and shift. And then, of course, the biggest player out there that is doing it is technology. You have Facebook, you have Google, you have YouTube. I mean, to be honest with you, even most recently, I was observing a, uh, a podcast, an actual week-long event hosted by Tony Robbins. They recognize the issue. And ultimately what it is, there is a lot of concern about what's sparring a lot of this is the student loan debt. I mean, we're at $1.7 trillion. It now has exceeded the total amount of credit card debt and automobile. You put all of those debt sources together. It doesn't even come close to the amount of federal student loan debt, yet family incomes have not kept up with the pace. And we're seeing tuition rates that have increased 40, 50% over the last several years. But you know as well as I, the family incomes are not keeping up with that. And so they're beginning to say, I simply can't afford it. I don't care how much free, like grant aid you're giving me, what is the student loan debt? And when we see our students coming out, they just are not interested. So they're looking at a faster way now, not to say they're not willing to take out student loan, but it better be worth their time and their effort. So they're measuring everything. And if they can secure a job, an entry-level position with an organization such as a Google or a Facebook or Bank of America with zero debt and can start earning even minimum wage to get paid for training who do you think is going to win? And who do you think understands the market? Someone that's in there working every day or an instructor. I hate to say this even for myself that graduated from college 25 years ago. No offense. Their degree is archaic. It doesn't they don't even remember what they learned. They're not keeping up with what's happening out in the real world. And so when you hear individuals like the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, 
saying we no longer require it because we don't see it valuable. Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook. There is a shift. And when that shift starts happening, much like when folks began moving onto the Internet, it's moving all of a sudden you hit that tipping point. If you've watched any of those, you know, when things move to mass use, it's beginning this huge domino effect. And unfortunately, I don't think that all of the college, the big colleges and universities are keeping up. Not to say they have some great products. You know, if you're going into the sciences or engineering, they are the best place to still get those kind of resource, resources and that education in the research area. But degrees in sociology or degrees in art history or English literature, students are saying, I already took English and history in high school. Mm -hmm. Why am I paying for this again? I want to pay for skills I don't know already. And the CEOs of these companies are saying, I don't like what you're producing. I would rather them come to us and we will teach them to understand our mission, our value system. So there are huge shifts happening right now. And unfortunately, unless you're studying this, and I, I, I share this all the time, which is why I'm out there speaking about this. I've studied this and there's a couple of partners I've watched the data they're doing huge market disruptions getting ready to happen in higher ed. I'm so excited about that. I think uh, it needs to happen. Whatever works to keep our young people out of debt, or at least to minimize that investment, there should be a shakeup. Um, I, I, I have, I think Ina nailed it. I mean, I think this, I mean, I think the first thing we should recognize is that going to a four-year nonprofit does not guarantee placement anywhere in terms right. of occupation or career. I think that's the first thing. I think that's, I think they've kind of done a really good job of kind of avoiding that conversation. But to Ina's point, I think it's almost time for them to pay the piper. It's happening. I think the other thing that's kind of interesting, which is I think um, the one thing about career colleges and career education is that at least the student knows why they're going. Mm -hmm. there's there's a destination if you're going to nursing school uh you're not coming out with something else that won't be applicable you're going there with a purpose um i think about it i, I mentioned this on the show before my daughter went to school to become a welder well she's either going to get a job as a welder or that was a complete and utter waste of time you can't use that anywhere else so i think the conversation to me goes back to, well, what are you going there for? What's the career path that you're thinking about? Have you validated your interest in that career? Have you done some internship? Have you listened to this great podcast that we have that <laughs> talks to people in the industry? And then you formulate a training and education path. I think a lot of times school selection comes first and the idea is, well, I'll figure it out when I'm two years in, when I have to decide, and then another change happens. And that's why we get this long, um, extended education path, because there was no purpose to the decision to go there in the first place. So I'm a big fan of disruption. It has to happen. I think we can talk about all the bad things that came out of COVID. I think Ina highlighted one really specific thing, which is it exposes universities that have kind of rested on their laurels, kind of doing it the same way mm -hmm. for a long period of time. And now they're, the, you know, the lights came on and all the cockroaches are scurrying, trying to figure out how to stay in business. And those who adapt 
and those who change and they move in the direction of technology and speed and efficiency, they'll win. And I think that's the key is that it's not them winning, although I don't resent anybody making money, um, although I resent people who stand behind nonprofits that are actually very profitable, <laughs> but that's a whole nother show. Um, but I do think it, it, the, the, the playing field needs to be level where the young adult or the middle-aged adult who's going to, back to school should win too. It shouldn't be one win, one loses. I completely agree with you. So when do these conversations start? So families listening right now, hopefully this episode is being you know heard by, by, by parents out there because we need to start these conversations with our kids early on. Ed, I know you're a, a firm advocate of that. Start early, start early. We start talking yeah. about educating them in, in middle school about how to prepare for college. Where do we start this conversation? How do we help families navigate of really what is the best choice of going that four-year university or choosing a great career college for, for where they're at? What, what do you both advise for that? Well, I think from my perspective, if a student graduating from high school truly doesn't know quite yet what they're going to do or what they're feeling, I don't, there was a point in time because I came out of the community college system. I go to the community college and go figure it out. But I would say that is not the time to go get more debt. If you want to, if you're trying to figure it out, maybe it is time for that young adult to go get a real job and find out what the real world is all all about. And, you know, whether it is working at a Starbucks or they are busing tables in a restaurant and learning those type of hardworking skills and they begin to realize um, what is it they want, because part of it is just a maturity process. Yeah. If they know they want to earn, they want a skill set. And let's say they love, they love technology and they love, you know, computers and they love apps and all of those things or social media. You don't have to have a degree in social media marketing to start working in that space. You can create your own portfolio. There are several opportunities if you look out there nowadays. They just want hungry, smart kids. So I share that with you to really understand my daughter. So I have, like I said, I have a daughter who is finishing in her fourth year of medical school with Drexel. Just she wow. knew early on, early on, directly out of high school, went to UC Irvine, was a bioscience major, biology. She knew she wanted to go into medicine. I was more than willing to pay the ticket to do that for her because she is on the way out and she's made that path and it went really well. I had another daughter who started the community colleges and I knew within the first semester, this child does not have any interest in this space. Very creative, very smart. And I happened to be watching a show on Fox Business about an apprenticeship program. And it was about the degree is dead. And this young man by the name of Isaac Morehouse founded a company called Discover Praxis. And he had relationships with lots of CEOs and the CEOs were complaining that they're not giving me the student that I want. They're either too spoiled, I hate to say this, they do not know how to communicate, they are not willing to go and they don't know how to write as well as we'd like them to do and do some of the things that these CEOs of these companies are doing. So he decided to create a boot camp. Had my daughter watch that segment and her eyes lit up immediately. She goes, Mom, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So I did it. I did some research. I put her into the program six years ago. 
She's now 25. She's thriving. She's an account executive for a technology company. Her fellow students that she graduated from high school with are now graduating from Fullerton, from UC Irvine. They are still baristas at Starbucks or they're waiting tables and they're looking at Madison and they're saying, well, how did you do this? Yeah. I cannot believe. So what, I, I'm, what I'm sharing is if you don't know, as she went down this path, she earned four years of work experience on her resume and left this other student behind her, her classmates that are now graduated and they're still busting tables. One of my litmus tests, and I love doing this whenever I go, and I would challenge anybody out there, the next time you go to the doctor and that medical assistant is taking your vitals, ask them where they went to school. Nine times out of 10, it was at a career college. Yep. Talk to the nurse, talk to your dental assistant, talk to your dental hygienist, ask them where they went to school. Most of the time they came out of a career school. And the next time you go to Starbucks, ask that barista where they went to school, they have a history degree. I hate to say this from a, a university and they're upset. They're struggling. They're trying to figure it out. Starb I'm going to tell you, Starbucks probably has one of the most educated barista workforces that I know out there. And where did that get them? So I just say, really sit back, take a look, research the institutions. This is why I'm out there on a mission. And I too, I, I love the higher ed system because I saw it on both sides, but much like the career colleges were held accountable in 2010 and 11, and many of them collapsed because they were not doing what they said to be they were going to do, and it obliterated a big piece of that market, the ones who are standing still today made it. Even though we continue to deal with some of those old warts, those of us that are doing this space, I always say, I, you know what, as a parent or as an, an adult returning back into the workforce, Go look at outcomes. I would. These are the questions that I would tell you. Ask them about their cohort default rate. Ask them about their placement rate. Where are the top employers or, your, or their graduates going to? Those are the questions. That's where the real numbers. Look at their performance fact sheets that they have to put on their website. Our accreditation in the career college space is different than the accreditation and standards required for the four-year universities. We have to disclose. They do not. And so one of the things that my me message has been, if we're going to be held accountable to the same standards, then I expect the higher ed, the four-year university should be able to say, show us your placement rates, show us where your, your students are being employed and prove it. We have to do it. Their standards don't. And so it's not a fair apples to apples comparison. And so outcomes wins everything and ultimately no matter what the regulatory environment says no matter what whatever administration is in there whoever's you know there's still all of these um, notions that the the career schools are sharks they're trying to put debt on their students i would push back and say look at my outcomes yeah. look at my outcomes and my default rate those numbers don't lie and i can't make those numbers up they're validated by the Department of Education. So these are numbers that, and then I would say, go compare those outcomes and ask them these questions and what those students are doing. I love it. Hey, can we shift gears for a second? I have a couple yes. other questions. So, Ina, I want to read to you what I found on the internet today. And you tell me, I'm going to ask you to comment on a couple things. You ready? Sure. The Exceptional Woman Awardees Foundation, EWA, announces that after an expansive search, Ina Hull, Chief Operating Officer, Legacy Education, Inc., was selected for the spring 2022 EWA cohort. Cohort, I always say that wrong. 
So, Ina, here's my question. Um, I looked at the website and I got a very distinct impression that your the group you're associated with is really trying to empower and mentor young women. I would like for you to comment on how important that is for young women who are trying to get their way to get equal standing or better standing than the men they compete with and how, why that's important to you and why you got involved. I love that, Ed. Oh, well, thank you. It, Let me I tell you something. I know what I'm doing right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, how ironic that that announcement came out today and I happened to be on your show the same day it came out. I met an amazing woman by the name of Lorraine Siegel, and that is her mission. And as we, as women that are, um, and she calls us the women that are going down the road less traveled, we know that in, you know, the top C-level positions, even today after all this time, less than 7% of the CEOs and COOs in this country are women. And then it further narrows um, into minority women. Um, you know, I am of Hispanic, uh, Hispanic background. My, my grandparents migrated from Mexico. So my mother was first generation. It's even harder for families and women. So for me, it is, I, it's a dream come true to affiliate myself with women who are fighting the cause that have worked in that space. And it's, it's, I, you know, I'm fortunate in higher ed, there is um, a higher, there are a higher, a higher number of C-level positions that are women, still not much higher than the rest of the country in terms of other segments. But to be around a group of women that support each other and are creating these avenues and the sounding board that was needed, because many of us, including myself, we didn't have that. Nope. I didn't have that ability. And so to talk to a mentor or to talk to someone, and I am not taking this away from men because I had some great men that were mentors to me. I wouldn't be here today without some strong um, men that I, that were coaches and leaders to me and helped me toughen up and how to present myself in a boardroom. But I have to tell you, it's very intimidating, even for somebody like myself early on trying to find my way through there yep. so for us to have a foundation of women where we can get together we share our experiences and more importantly what i loved about this process is that our agreement if accepted into the organization is that we give back that means we have to mentor we have to find other young ladies and other young women that we can coach and we can mentor. And if I have an opportunity to work with them and to help them find those pathways and share our network. So it's mm -hmm. unbelievable. It's such an honor to get the recognition um, and to be associated with such an amazing group of strong and successful women. It's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank Thank you. Congratulations. I, I must say that one of my mentors was a strong, powerful woman and uh, she was the one that empowered me to start my own company and to get into management. I wouldn't be where I'm at without her. So I'm sure there's some great guys out there, but I have found the greatest influences in my life are women. So there, there you go, ladies, find <laughs> someone to mentor you um, and it, always look for people to give back. If they are willing to give back, you take as much of that as you can and you learn 
from these women who've paved this road that allows you to walk behind them. So I wanted to acknowledge that. I thought that was fairly significant. And I think it's important that we give back. And I think it's important that uh, we reach down and pull other people up when we can. Completely. Thank you. Wow. This was a lot. Ina, you're fantastic. And I was so excited to have the two of you connect. And this really was just the the three old kids here today. That's <laughs> really what took place. But I think it was time. And I hope that this is a, a powerful episode, especially for families to listen to together. If you're a young adult hearing this, you have, you know, mentors and, and adults and parents and other uh, role models in your life, have them listen with you because I think this is the conversation that we can be creating more of. So we're just helping to educate and empower. What do you think? And then? I would offer up my two daughters. If ever you want to have them side by side, compare <laughs> them. Your journey. You, <laughs> you know you. what I'm saying? Because they have two separate, they had two separate needs, two separate sets of passions and they're complete opposites. But if you want to hear it from both perspectives, uh, like I said, I, I, I've been in the fortunate position where being an educational administrator, working in private industry and having daughters that went through two different paths and they are both coming out in the, on the same road to success. So it can be done. It's just understanding, you know, and doing your research and surrounding yourself with people who know and can give the best advice. So I love that your platform is doing that. You know, we're going to take up on that offer because I think young people need to hear from other young people. Yes. Uh, us old folks, they look at us as like we're we're dinosaurs, and what do we know? And you even mentioned like the degree we got isn't worth the paper that it's printed on anymore. Um, they need to hear how the path can be walked, and folks that are just a little older than them, or even just a little younger than them, and how they've been able to accomplish that. But having said that, you know, I want to get you back on. I want to, I want to talk to you about your investments and what you're doing in the education side. That's another area where we need more women participating, determining how to take these dollars and cents and make significant inroads in technology and education and all those things too. So we'll have you back on uh, after we have your daughters on. Um, I got to tell you, this was amazing. Thank you so much for giving your time and really uh, being an excellent example, not only um, for what you do in the community, but also what you do to help young men and women get educated so they can take care of themselves and their family. Oh, thank you so much. I truly enjoyed it. And please keep your message going forward. I enjoyed this conversation. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to wrap up right here. And uh, as Amy mentioned, Alex and Capri weren't here. They kind of left us to run the joint. I guarantee they won't do that again. But uh, for Amy and Ina, we really want to thank you for being here. This is two old kids, two young adults. And I got to tell you, we do good work here. If you like it, give it a thumbs up. If you think there's somebody who needs to hear it, share it. And if you absolutely love it, subscribe so you can get the episodes as they come up on a regular basis. For the, the folks here at Two Old Kids, Two Young Adults, I'm Ed Sanderson. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Make sure and subscribe to this show so you don't miss the next episode of Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. We want to hear from you as well. You can email us at 2ok2ya at gmail.com.